Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Hey, it is March 16th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, thankfully, we have a lot more Dolphin news. Free agency got off to a red-hot start, and maybe not for the Dolphins, but there is more news to discuss that pertains to them. So, as I mentioned, the Dolphins may not have brought in a ton of guys yet, but there's still a handful of guys that are available that could be appealing to the Dolphins and can really shake up how their 2021 outlook for the season could play out. So, I know last week there was some news about the team that I didn't really have a chance to go over, so I do want to discuss that right now a little bit. The first of those was that the Dolphins acquired Isaiah Wilson in a trade with the Tennessee Titans. Isaiah Wilson was a rookie last year. He is an offensive tackle and he had a pretty down year with the Tennessee Titans. He in fact didn't really play much and there was a whole bunch of drama with the team. Uh, You know a few weeks ago he tweeted I'm done with football as a Titan and then a few days later he was traded to the Miami Dolphins. So he is somebody that all last season was on the COVID list frequently. He only played a total of four snaps in the entire season. He only played three of those snaps on the offensive side of the ball. The other one was on special teams. So that is, of course, very bad signal. It's a bunch of red flags, but the Dolphins were able to get him and only gave up a seventh round pick. They, in fact, swapped seventh round picks. They got the Titans seventh round pick in 2022, and they gave up their pick in this year's draft. So overall, you look at that, they didn't really have to give up much to get him. Now, of course, they're going to have to pay his salary. He was a first round pick, uh, so it is going to be a little bit more. I know CK Parrott, Chris Kaufman over there on Twitter said that he was still a little bit weary of the idea of having to acquire him just because you'd be guaranteeing him, you know, $4 million. But overall, I think it's a move that you didn't really have to give up too much to get him. He obviously presents a ton of upside as a former first round pick. Now, a lot of people uh, regarded that as a reach, him going that early. But if the Dolphins are able to kind of uh, bring him in and even get a solid player out of him, that is a massive plus that they didn't really have to pay too much to get. And of course, he has an upside that could present even more than that. Now, I do think the proper way to look at it and kind of approach this whole situation is to enter it with a mindset of having no expectations. If you go into this with the idea that he's going to have this first round production, uh, you know, uh, performance early out of the gates and he's going to be everything that he was supposed to be, uh, you know, coming out of the draft, then you may end up severely disappointed. But if you approach this with the mentality of almost the same thing as a late round pick and he ends up offering more than that, then that could, you know, reap some huge benefits for the team. So overall, I think if you approach this with the mindset that they didn't have to give up too much to get him, he is a raw talent and could offer more, then that's the right way to look at it. Overall, I think this is a pretty solid move for the Dolphins to have made here. Now, the next move here, this one's interesting because uh, we saw the Dolphins release Kyle Van Noy only one year after signing him. Well, this time they elected to trade Shaq Lawson after only one year with the team. He had a pretty decent season and they traded him to the Houston Texans for linebacker Bernardrick McKinney. Now, McKinney had a good year back in 2019 as a pro bowler, but he missed much of last season with an injury. So McKinney is more of a traditional linebacker. I know in today's NFL, we hear more about the new age linebackers, the guys who are basically a hybrid between a safety and a linebacker who are just 
just ter terrific in coverage. You know, they can speed across the field and they're a little bit smaller in size. Well, Bernardrick McKinney is not that. He's more of the traditional guy. He is a great run stopper. He is a big hitter, but he isn't too great in pass coverage. So if you look at what he could offer to the team, I know something that I mentioned heavily, uh, especially in the beginning of the seasons was that I liked where the Dolphins uh, linebackers were in terms of their positioning, but it looked like their front overall was very undersized. And what we saw when it came to, to stopping the run was that they would hit guys, but they wouldn't stop them in the track. So even if they hit them, the guys were either picking up a few more yards or they were just breaking the tackle and running for a whole bunch more. And I think we saw that once play in specifically was that play where Josh Allen just kind of broke through Kyle Van Noy, leveled somebody else and just kept going. So I think when it comes to stopping the run, McKinney could be a, a tremendous asset in those regards. He is a veteran. He could be a huge help there, but I am a little bit weary of his ability to stop guys in pass coverage. You don't expect him to be like Jerome Baker all across the field and stopping guys and making terrific, you know, effort plays. I wouldn't expect that, but what he could offer in terms of stopping the run, I think could be an asset to the team. Now, overall, this move, I'm still on the fence about. I do see the appeal of what he could offer, but losing a guy like Shaq Lawson on the edge, you just lost Kyle Van Noy. I'm hoping the Dolphins have somebody in mind here who can fill this need because as of right now, I am a little bit concerned and that's kind of going to be the next point as we dive into the first day of free agency. So we get into free agency here and uh, you know there was a ton of moves being made. We saw the Patriots go after a ton of guys. We've seen the Jets make a handful of some pretty solid moves. The Dolphins who earlier there were talks that they were going to be extremely aggressive haven't really done much aside from acquire a punter. So uh, the first need they have here and it's one I just mentioned is that edge. You know they just traded Shaq Lawson. They released Kyle Van Noy. What are they going to do? So the first move that a lot of people were kind of connecting the dots with here in terms of free agency were okay maybe they're going to either get Shaq Barrett of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or maybe they're going to have to go they're going to go after Carl Lawson of the the Cincinnati Bengals. Well Shaq Barrett re-signed with Tampa Bay. Carl Lawson was later on in the night signed by New York uh, as a as a member of the Jets on a pretty big deal. So the Dolphins still have that need and I think it's a pretty big one that they can't afford to really just plug somebody in on his rookie year in the draft and that spot even if they are you know a cream of the crop top guy because it's something that is so important for this defense to function at the same level that they were playing at last year. I think even though Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson weren't stars by any means last year I think they left some pretty big shoes to fill and I don't think a rookie in his first year would be able to really replicate that. So I do think they're going to need to get a veteran and I think the ones that are kind of left at this point the one that I kind of mentioned in the last episode was Jadavian Clowney. It seems like the Dolphins have a ton of interest in his skill set and he could be a tremendous asset. We know what kind of uh, talent he brings from an athletic standpoint. So he could be a guy the Dolphins are looking at. And another guy is Hassan Riddick. But overall, I think the Dolphins options here for this need are starting to dwindle. And if there's any area that I'm a little bit concerned about right now, it's this area of the field. Now, the other need the Dolphins have here is kind of the one that's been the major headline of the team. It's the one that's been, uh, you know, the flashy one. It's the one that everybody talks about the potential options. It's the receiver group because the Dolphins, frankly, they need an overhaul of basically the entire unit minus a handful of a few guys. And there's an obvious need there. So the main one, the biggest option right now in free agency is former Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay, who is going to require a big payday in order to acquire. And it seems like 
there are a handful of teams that are in the mix here. Now, Kenny Galladay, to my surprise, has kind of gotten a bit of hate from Dolphins Twitter because he offers a similar skill set to the same one that Devontae Parker offers. And a lot of people are saying we should go after somebody who kind of complements our needs more. And I agree with the sentiment of that, but I don't agree with attaching Kenny Galladay to this argument because he is very, very good. This is an instance where you just have to get the best player available if you can get him. Kenny Galladay, even though he is, I guess, in some ways similar to what Devontae Parker offers, he is a big guy. He makes some big jump ball catches. Uh, you know, he's missed uh, quite a few games with injuries. I don't think that you should look at this situation and say, nah, pass on Kenny Galladay because he's too much like Devontae Parker. He is a talent that offers true wide receiver one upside. I think even his floor is extremely high. And I think he could instantly, if you add him to this team, be a primary wide receiver. And that's how he should be approached. So even though he offers a, sk a skill set similar in some ways to Devontae Parker in terms of making those jump balls, just think of what that could do for the entire team. Many times throughout the season and throughout his career, Devontae Parker has garnered the attention of the opposition's cornerback one, their best defensive back. And if you think of what the what kind of catches we've seen Devontae Parker make throughout his career and how he's been able to manhandle guys like Stephon Gilmore at times and really put on a show against some of these elite cornerbacks, if you can put Devontae Parker instead against a cornerback two of a team and you have Kenny Galladay up against a team's primary cornerback, that is a tremendous value to a team. So I don't think people should be so quick to kind of write off the ideas, okay, they're, they're too similar, don't go after them. I don't think that's the appropriate mindset to approach this. I think Kenny Galladay could be a wide receiver one, and that would also open up a ton of potential from a guy uh, for a guy like Devontae Parker to have even more success. So I know at times, I think the Dolphins fan base is one that has really been for years yearning for a true wide receiver one. And I think we've seen flashes of it from Devontae Parker, namely back in that 2019 season. And I do think, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that I think Kenny Galladay is already more than that and could be even much more than anything we have seen in recent years from a receiver. And the Dolphins have the opportunity to add him. I don't think they should stray away from it because he is similar to another guy that's already on the team. Now, another guy here that's kind of been not mentioned as heavily as some of the other guys I'll talk about in a bit, it's uh, Will Fuller, the receiver for the Houston Texans, who is still on the table and could still be acquired. Now, Will Fuller is an absolute machine when he's on the field. His production when he is on there is just absolutely amazing. The amount of touchdowns this guy gets per game is ridiculous. The only worry when it comes to him is he has battled through a ton of injuries. He has missed a ton of time. And then namely, the last thing is that he missed uh, the last quarter of the season last year because he was suspended for performance enhancing drugs and breaking the protocol there. So there is a little bit more red flags when it comes to Will Fuller, but I do think his potential is a lot more. And when it comes to complimenting other players, I think Will Fuller complements what the Dolphins need almost perfectly. He is a guy who can break it big over the top. And I do think when I look at Will Fuller, I think his game is transforming uh, to an all-around receiver in a way that I think reminds me of Kenny Stills. I think back about Kenny Stills early on in his career uh, with New Orleans. I saw him mostly every time it seems like when I saw him, it was because he was along the sideline. He was running a streak and he was basically a one-trick pony. But I think over the years, Kenny Stills was able to transform his game and become a pretty solid all-around receiver in terms of his hands, his route running, his work in the intermediate game. He was a terrific all-around receiver. And I think over time, I think Will 
Will Fuller is showing us that same quality more and more. His biggest gripe to me, aside from the injuries, was that he was not catching uh, with his hands enough. He was a body catcher. But I think over time, we're seeing Will Fuller more in the intermediate game, more as a route runner. And I think he could be a guy that offers more upside. So I mentioned those injuries uh, pretty heavily earlier. And I think it's very hard to kind of evaluate somebody and label them as injury prone. I don't really like throwing that label on somebody as injury prone, especially when we talk about a sport that is, you know, so uh, dependent on contact like football. Guys are going to get hurt. That's just the nature of the game. And I do think it's very important to kind of be uh, weary of how you use the term injury prone. When it comes to guys like Todd Gurley, who have, you know, this arthritic knee and is more prone to getting hurt repeatedly, then I will use the term injury prone. When you see guys like in the NBA, Steph Curry, who has had chronic injuries with his ankle and they aren't going to get better because that uh, those ligaments in there cannot be repaired to that same level as when you uh, had them before injury. So I'll use the term injury prone in those cases. But when guys just randomly get injuries like ACLs or they have this spontaneous random ankle injury, it's hard for me to use the term injury prone just because it is the nature of the game. So as of right now, even though Will Fuller has battled a ton of injuries, I'm not going to say that he is injury prone and I'm just going to say that he has had a ton of uh, injuries. So I don't want to really label him as that yet and it's not really scaring me off from the idea of bringing him in if you're asking me. But if you want to make the argument that that's too much of a red flag for you, then I'm not going to argue against it. Now the next possible free agent acquisition the Dolphins could end up landing is a very popular wide receiver in the league and that's wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's already put an Instagram post stating that he doesn't know where he's going to end up and it may not be back with Pittsburgh. He is on record as saying that he wanted to end his career in Pittsburgh, but the way it's looking right now, he is probably going to be signing somewhere else. So who knows what's going to happen there, but could it be with the Dolphins? Frankly, I've seen a lot of people who are very against this decision because of stuff that's kind of outside of his performance on the field. If you think back to last year, uh, you know, he was doing his dance, little Corvette Corvette on the uh, opposing team's logo. And then it seems like the more he did that, it built up. And then uh, the downfall of the Steelers kind of coincided with him doing this dance. So a lot of people are blaming that on him. And I will say, I do think that that dance he did was, you know, it was pretty ridiculous. To do it on the opposing team's logo, I think is very disrespectful. If he was just doing it anywhere, I would probably care less, but on the opposing team's logo, I could see why they take offense to it. But at the same time, I have to say that them putting all the blame and kind of using him as a scapegoat for this whole situation, I think kind of inaccurately portrays what was happening to the Steelers season. I think Ben Roethlisberger kind of got a free pass because everyone was putting the blame on Juju for dancing, where in reality, it seemed like defenses picked up that he couldn't throw the ball effectively past 10 yards down the field and it worked out for the beginning of the season but then once teams were able to figure that out Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball as well but it seemed like everyone was putting all the attention on Juju for doing the dance so again I will say I thought it was a pretty disrespectful dance to do on the opposing team's field but I don't think that kind of accurately portrays what kind of player he is because uh, Juju he seems like he is about that action when he is on the field I think back to I believe it was his rookie season or maybe his sophomore season where he laid out Vontez perfect on a you know on a crack block it was absolutely amazing to see a receiver who is you know that much smaller than a middle linebacker like that in perfect and just completely level them and then at the same time if you look at receivers who over the center of the field will kind of lay off from going up for some contested catches because they don't want to take a hit Juju 
is not that guy. That guy takes some vicious hits over the middle, but at the end of the day, he is about that action when he is on the field. So again, I think if you remove that whole uh, dance that he did out of the equation, I think he is a very easy guy to root for. I know a lot of people don't like his social media presence and how active he is on there and with gaming. And I know all the Fortnite stuff really rubs off on people the wrong way. Honestly, I think the dance that he did with uh, on the opposing team's logo was a little bit too far, but I have no issues with the rest of what he does on social media. If he wants to continue doing that and continue playing the way he does on the field, I think he could be a valuable asset uh, for the Dolphins to go after. Terrific in the slot, like I said, doesn't shy away from contact. Also good as a deep threat. There's a lot to love about Juju, and I think he kind of gets a bad rap because of his social media presence and that dance he did. Now, uh, the guy who is probably one of the more exciting exciting prospects on this entire list right here is Curtis Samuel. Now, I will say, I do think he kind of brings a little bit more of a risk because you don't know how he's going to pan out, but the dynamicness of Samuel is just hard to not like. What he could offer to this team is just extremely exciting. As of right now, there are reports that he is in Miami. We don't know, again, if that is anything in relation to a contract. He could just be over there because that's where athletes go in the offseason. A lot of them like to train in Miami, but he is very dynamic. He saw a ton of work out of the backfield last year, a ton of work in the slot, great as a deep threat, has absolute burners on him. Now, a lot of people are say uh, maybe he was just having more production because there were so many missing touches that it would have uh, you know, otherwise gone to Christian McCaffrey, but Curtis Samuel has a ton of upside, and I do think he's one of the more exciting options to go for. Again, I think his floor might be a little bit lower. There might be more risk uh, going after him instead of a guy like uh, uh, you know, uh, Kenny Galladay or Juju Smith-Schuster, but what he could offer, the things that you could devise up with this offense by adding a dynamic threat like Samuel, already having a guy like Lynn Bowden, already having a guy potentially like Malcolm Perry, there's just a lot of potential and a lot of mismatches that could be drawn up when you get a guy like Curtis Samuel into this offense. Like I said, just extremely dynamic and has absolute burners on him. I would be ecstatic if they were able to land him, but at the same time, I also also recognize that I do think he has a little bit lower of a floor and the chances of it not panning out uh, the same way it does in our imagination, you know, they are uh, relatively high again when you compare them to a guy like Kenny Galladay or Juju Smith-Schuster. So another free agent here who may not be one of the more exciting ones, but I think is one that could realistically happen as kind of like a, a second or third option for the Dolphins is John Brown. And I kind of say that because it seems like there's a high frequency when one player in particular is just burning a defense of that team when he hits the open market the team looks at him and say okay now we want that guy that guy was torching us so we want to add him to our team this time and that's kind of the story of John Brown's career well, against Miami he's just had an absolute field day I think back to his last four games against the Dolphins he had 82 yards and a touchdown in one game 137 yards in two touchdowns in the other game 83 yards and a touchdown in the other one and then in the most recent game that we think back to towards the end of the season. He had 72 yards in a touchdown just in the first half. So it seems like John Brown has Miami's number. Could they add him to this team? Uh, you know, maybe. He has made a career off being a very reliable deep threat, which Miami needs. But again, if they add John Brown, I would hope he is not the only guy that's being added. If you add John Brown, you have to at least either get a home run with the other guy, either in the draft or free agency, or you have to add another solid veterans like Marvin Jones. But I just don't 
don't think that John Brown is, uh, you know, as much of a staple to any team as he as the other guys that I mentioned earlier. If the Dolphins were to just add a Will Fuller in free agency and then enter the draft and possibly get another receiver there, I'd be fine with the same thing with Kenny Galladay, even maybe same thing with Curtis Samuel, uh, but maybe they'd have to add another guy. But just adding a John Brown and then going into the draft looking for another receiver, I think is a little bit too risky. I think you would have to add at least another one again. A guy like Marvin Jones could be on the radar. He is on record as wanting to go to Miami as well. I think he has been extremely reliable throughout his career. But John Brown, you know, he's had Miami's number. Could they look this way and potentially add him to uh, offer some depth as a third option here in this offense? I think he'd be a pretty good option as a team's number three. Now, some other free agent news, and it does have some relevancy to the Dolphins. It's that former Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick signed a one-year deal to join the Washington football team. Now, earlier there were all the rumors and the reports that he was leaning towards retirement. Well, eventually now it comes to this conclusion that he will be playing another year, at least here, with the Washington football team. Now, uh, it's a perfect, I think, landing spot for him to go to. The football team, as of right now, is in a situation where they have Taylor Heineke, who played pretty well, you know, towards the tail end of the season and into that little playoff run they had there. And not only was he playing well on the field, but it did look like he had good command over the team. It seemed like they all really rallied around him and enjoyed him as the quarterback. So they're going to be giving him another chance. But of course, there's a big, uh, you know, question mark there about whether he can really be the guy. And there's going to be constant test for him and I'm not sure if he's going to be able to prove it over the course of an entire season so when you have any situation where you have a young quarterback who the team is unsure about you know you can play the little theme song of Jaws with the blood in the water because Ryan Fitzpatrick will sense that and he will go directly to that team and that is where he is going to be so Ryan Fitzpatrick you know he may have a pretty good chance at starting a few games here on a pretty solid Washington football team so I think that's a very good landing spot about as good as it can get for a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick and overall something that I've said frequently is I'm very ashamed of that take I had where I said keep him away from Miami and I'm hoping the people in Washington will really embrace what Ryan Fitzpatrick is because throughout his career the guy has been a treasure he is an absolutely upstanding professional awesome guy to watch and I think even if they're in a crunch moment where they need somebody we've seen what Ryan Fitzpatrick can do he is up and down you have Fitzpatrick and you have it's magic, but when he is good, he is very good, and if they need somebody who can play at an elite level in crunch time, who knows? That might be able to be Ryan Fitzpatrick if you get him on one of those good moments. So, overall, I'm very happy for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hopefully, he can have some sort of impact because I do think he still has a little bit left in the tank. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. You know, who knows? There may even be news by the time this episode comes out. By the time you're listening to it, maybe Kenny Galladay, maybe a guy like Will Fuller, Juju will already be signed, hopefully to the Dolphins. I'm hoping the Dolphins could land at least one of those major wide receivers there. But that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at ShadySteven and at ViaTheSource. But until next time, guys, I'm Steven Masso. This was Via the Source.